Thanks for downloading show 70 of the C-Suite podcast, an episode being produced in partnership with the Cabinet Office, as we're going to be chatting about how the work being carried out by its business partnerships team is building successful long-term partnerships between business and government to deliver the voice of business into policy development and transformation, with the main aim of tackling the UK's biggest social and economic challenges. My name is Russell Goldsmith, and joining me to discuss this important topic, we have in the studio Siobhan Havilland, Deputy Director for Business Partnerships at the Prime Minister's Office and Cabinet Office and so one of the key driving forces behind the programme. And alongside Siobhan is Anne Pickering, CHRO and Chief of Staff at Telefonica UK, uh, which is O2 in the UK, and Caroline Mason, CBE, the Chief Executive Officer of the Esme Fairbairn Foundation. Uh, but Caroline is also the co-chair of another partnership between government and business, and that's the Inclusive Economy Partnership, uh, which is a role that uh, she shares with Sasha Ramanovich, uh, the Chief Executive of Grant Thornton. Uh, so first of all, thank you all for giving up your time time to uh, join us on the show. Siobhan, to kick things off, it would be great to get an overview of the work you are doing with the uh, business partnership team and how you're working with organisational leaders such as uh, Anne and Caroline here. Great, thank you and uh, great to be here with you. So the business partnerships team in the Cabinet Office was set up in the centre of government. So being in the centre of government, we don't hold any legislation or regulation. Business obviously talk to government in lots of different places across Whitehall. Um, But we are about three main things. So we help business come into the centre of government and help them navigate around Whitehall. So find the right places to go to help them fix their problems, work on their issues. Um, We build long-term relationships with about 120 of the UK's biggest businesses so that we can bring the voice of business into early policy development. So it's all about driving innovation in policy development to help bring the voice of business in so we as government can find better solutions to issues. Actually, what, what motivated you to get involved in this whole space? I've been in government for two years. I've had a career of about 20 odd years in the in the private sector. I got involved in early social impact investing with social enterprises as an angel. Um, I've always had this sort of uh, passion of the idea of profit as a force for good, profit with purpose. And social enterprises, they were just inventing, just starting with sort of businesses, but social with a social purpose first. And I, I, I came across this team at the cabinet office and thought wow actually look at that that's big business with government together for social change how amazing to get involved in profit with purpose on a on a big level so i thought let's give it a go why not well caroline and Anne, i'm going to ask you about your own organizations and how that all fits in in a second but i was just interested same questions to you as well really so caroline let's, let's start with you why why what's motivated you to get involved in this so i spent almost 20 years in financial services and um decided that i've really really had to get out about well 15 years ago i suppose and then moved into the area of social investment impact investing and th- i think two things one is that again the idea that finance in itself is just a tool and it's what you do with it that counts and how you can use it to do good rather than to exploit actually and how do we how how can I do more of that or how can I get myself into a place where more of that I can encourage more of that but also I just think people are the answer and I think you can find the most extraordinary in the most ordinary and how do we capture that energy and that exists in our country 
of ordinary people and how can that be reconnected back into our system of the economy and finance because it's become disconnected. Right. So that's what motivates me. And how about yourself, Anne? Well, I became HR Director of O2 10 years ago and what I loved about the company was um, it's consumer facing. I love working with 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 people. And I realised that not only could we provide a great service to all those 32 million customers we have out there, but we could really have a positive impact on the society in which they live. And that's what we're trying to do, work with our work with our customers and um, you know, really help improve society. And I think we're doing a good job, particularly around the work we've done with young people and our Think Big programme. Brilliant. Well, well, sticking with you, Anne, um, having a purpose within a business is a discussion we actually have regularly on this show. And I wanted to start with yourself because I, I read a post written by your CEO, Mark Evans, on the Department for Digital Culture, Media and Sports uh, blog. Um, so it was a, a few months ago, but within it, he said that your company defines its purpose as making every day better through personal experiences that count. And then he shared a huge list of charities and collaborations you work with from local community business uh, partnerships to charities that naturally connects to your business. So those focused on keeping children safe online, for example, and tackling uh, cyberbullying. Why do you think it's important for business and uh, businesses and government to be working together on developing a business purpose and how can an organisation like yours contribute? So the business partnership team in the Cabinet Office are a really important channel of communication for us. They make that information flow between government and O2 really smooth so we really value it and it really allows us to understand each other's challenges and opportunities. Um, and it means we can identify shared agendas and we can collaborate and work together so it really smooths the path beautifully. And we really, in O2, we really like working um, with partners. It's a really good way to shape and deliver service, whether that be for our customers, whether it be for our charitable partners like the NSPCC. Um, I think actually a partnership really makes it stronger, so it works really well for us. Caroline, can you give us a quick overview of the work that you do at the Esme Fairbairn Foundation, but also maybe an example of something that you're particularly proud of in, in this whole area of responsible business? I think our role in all of this is to actually look at what Esme does very well, is to really focus on the root causes of these problems, why they're happening in the first place rather than mitigating them, um, to actually make sure that the voice of those most affected by them have a seat at the table alongside the might and weight of business and government, and also actually to um, fund disruptive innovation that actually then tackles those root causes in a different way. Um, and a couple of examples I would give around that are our support, for example, for fair for You, which is an alternative credit provider um, around the rent-to-own high-cost high credit space to provide a not-for-profit alternative to the very exploitative models that exist out there. Um, another example would be Auticon, who train people with autism to work within financial services organisations as fully paid consultants working in the areas of um, software testing and data science, which obviously plays to their skills, mm. um, and working with them to make sure they are comfortable within that environment, um, working with businesses to make sure that other businesses understand how they need to change their practice to be able to accommodate people with autism. But it's all done on a peer level, not on a do to you level. So those are the kind of things that we do. I think the other thing I would say, Russell, is on our own, whether it's government or foundations or charities or businesses like O2, 
you know, doing it by ourselves, we would not be able to make the impact. So there's something very powerful of working by working together because I think that really makes the difference. So it, it is that partnership that, you know, we're, we're, we're stronger together, I think, is the phrase. Sure. Well, on, on the topic of partnerships, Siobhan, let, let's bring us back to the work that you're doing with the business partnership team. Can, can you share any examples of some of the campaigns that you've put in place? Uh, that's a perfect segue from Anne. <laughs> Thank you very much. So uh, what, what I joined government about two years ago um, from the private sector and one of the interesting things businesses were saying to us in the team then was, we think we can make more impact together. So we think government can help point us together in a direction around specific issues. You know, what do you think? Um, it was just uh, around the time of the referendum, we uh, had a new prime minister and she'd been talking about, um, she stood in the steps of Downing Street talking about an economy that works for all, not just the few. Um, it was an interesting moment in time, I would say, and we went to talk to them and we said, we think we have an idea around bringing business, civil society and government together to find social innovators who are out there making a difference on the ground and sort of bringing the might and impact of those organisations to those, to those social innovators to try and grow them, scale them more quickly than they might be able to do on their own. So that's how the Inclusive Economy Partnership was born. And um, we did uh, a lot of work thinking about what those issues were. Caroline referenced in terms of impacting the group of people who, where it was most needed. Um, and also talking to our business partners about where they thought they could make the most impact. And we came up with the first three. That's financial inclusion and capability, mental health in the workplace, and transitioning to work for young people. Now. They're not the only three, they're just the first three. The Inclusive Economy Partnership is a, a organisation we want to become, you know, a long-term three to five year project. Um, and we have a we have a vision on, on three levels. So we want to bring action on the ground in a place that is helping people as quickly as possible. On a national level, we want to have a conversation with our business partners and our civil society partners about the sort of economy and society we want to be, coming, especially coming out of next March. Um, and that we as a nation on a global level can be seen as a vanguard around this area of inclusive growth. So um, some pretty big some pretty big things to live up to. But we have uh, had an amazing start. So we have an advisory board of 14 CEOs, um, seven from business, seven from civil society, obviously Caroline co-chairs and, and sits on that board for O2. And we've just had amazing engagement and uh, commitment from those CEOs, as well as up to 150 other organizations that we've brought into this process over the last six months. So we're really excited to already see partnerships coming into place and you're uh, you're nodding there what, yeah, I mean, what, what's what's it like from your side then being it's, part it's, of that it feels like a genuine partnership it's mm. not a talking shop i like that it's very bold in its ambition which i think is really important and we really like the way that they look at the small and the big um so they're covering all bases so uh, the most important thing for me is you know the boldness of its ambition and i think that makes it very exciting and very powerful I think also that um, I think it's the first time I would say that civil society has had an equal place at the table alongside business and government. And that's really important because actually the people who do know about what works on the ground and what the issues are and what causes them and how to actually give people a voice that 
that, that can actually help solve those issues, that expertise lies within the civil society sector. And so it's absolutely fantastic that we're there at the table and it's a, again it's a very yeah. peer relationship well it's great that we've got all, all three represented here in this podcast as well so it's all, it's all come together nicely but Siobhan you mentioned uh, one of those um, areas earlier um, when you were explaining some of the work there was on financial inclusion um, I know you've been busy this week um, uh, on, on that topic because you've been filming with the actor and uh, I guess he calls himself a disruptor now as well Michael Sheen can you tell us anything about what you've been working on this week with him yeah, sure. So financial inclusion and capability, what we're really talking about is access to affordable credit. So why should people who are working hard have to pay a thousand percent on loans when the washing machine breaks? Where else? At the moment, they have re- haven't really got anywhere else to go. So that was where we sort of started on this uh, project. In the true spirit of partnership, of course, we are always open to working with other organisations. And Michael had uh, fairly recently come over, back over from Hollywood, back to his hometown of Port Talbot, um, to look at this area of problem debt. Um, and he put together an organisation called End High Cost Credit. He actually did an amazing job of convening some great organisations from around the country. And we said, we really like to work together with you. He said the same. Our IEP process had found uh, seven social innovators in the area of financial capability, um, tiny social enterprises that our organisations like Caroline's and Anne's were getting behind. And on yesterday, they got the opportunity to meet Michael and his team, tell them what they were doing. And he was literally sat at the table and said, you have got to come in and work with us too. You know, it's just two plus two was five I mean honestly it gives me goosebumps thinking about it and how excited they were and back to the power of partnership and what the IEP is doing fantastic um and Caroline have you have you got any other examples of how you've been working with Siobhan's team at all Caroline let's try you first Uh, well I mean we're in fact the end of high cost credit is another great example because we're obviously a member of it and um and I think what it does is it, it takes an idea and then broadens it out. And actually something that started with the issue of just how do you provide high cost credit has actually become a much, through through that alliance, has now become obviously a much broader issue, which again is tackling the root causes of the fact why do people actually end up in that place in the first place? It's because actually they don't earn enough. Um, so how do we link these root causes back to not only then their access to credit but also how do you build in savings for them mm. you know how how do they then become more financial get financial advice and support and so that's what's great about a partnership like this that's something that starts with a particular view has a capacity to change to really affect systemic change around a particular issue and interestingly, two of the startups in Wire, which is the Telefonica's accelerator for digital startups, they're among the social innovations that have already been selected uh, by the IEP for acceleration. And the other area that we're closely involved in is scoping out the transition to work, that big idea. Now, that's going to be a major initiative in the West Midlands, looking at giving you know easily accessible employment support to young people and opportunities for, for needs. So that's the other area that we're getting very heavily involved mm-hmm. in. What's been really interesting in the Inclusive Economy Partnership, and as is the way with innovation, where we we set on a path to find small social innovators and sort of partner with them, what we found on the way was that 
a lot of our CEOs said, actually, we think there's some other things and some other big ideas that we'd really like to get behind. So Anne was referring to uh, where O2 are working on transition to work in the West Midlands. It's going to be uh, really exciting with other partners like um, Accenture and Unlimited. Nationwide, Joe Garner, the CEO of Nationwide, sits on the board um, and back to the financial inclusion and capability work, they are looking at a big idea around trying to help people on financial capability through the new open banking platform. So how can you use people's daily information to help them think about how they might save and spend more efficiently? It's an incredible amount of projects happening. Um, there, There was one particular that I was looking at so when I was doing my research for this this Caroline I wanted to ask you on this one uh, I was looking through your website and one of the grants you've recently awarded was over £800,000 over four years to um, an organisation Achievement for All who are not-for-profit organisation that work in partnership with early years settings schools and colleges and this, this is all obviously off, off, off your site they, mm. they are improving outcomes for all children and young people vulnerable to underachievement regardless of background challenge or need and then it goes on to say that Achievement for All have, has developed an evidence-based programme called Achieving Early and uh, that enables them to to offer the highest quality provision ensuring every child meets their potential regardless of background challenge or need and it goes on to compare outcomes on entry to key stage one and the gap that currently exists between children living in poverty and their more affluent peers and that once they can successfully demonstrate that uh, the closing of this gap they will have sufficient evidence for the cost effectiveness of early intervention and the need for greater investment in the early years workforce and their continual uh, or continuing professional development i just that, that kind of connect you know links to a lot of what we're talking about here and i was, I was just wondering what, what your thoughts were on this whole issue well, I think it comes back again to the, the three things that we think are important. One is that actually these, all of these issues have root causes. And if you catch them early enough, if you fund the prevention of these things, um, then actually you stop the problems happening further down the line. And this is an incredibly important example of that, that if you, if you work with children at a very young age and you, ca- and you catch the early, the early signs, there are lots of interventions that we know work in terms of improving their confidence, um, improving their, their, their cognitive skills um, and actually just giving them a better chance. Um, and I think then, but the other interesting element about this is that Achievement for All does actually co-design things with young people themselves. And so again, this idea that people can be owners of their own destiny, that because you're poor doesn't mean you you don't have skills and assets and capabilities that you can bring to bear to these to to your own problems and your yeah. own issues. You know what the young people know what their issues are, and being given a voice and an opportunity to work and design these solutions alongside these kind of providers is really, really, really important. Um, and then that that idea of actually working with businesses and with employers to say sometimes people look a bit different, but maybe there's something that businesses and employers can do to maybe change their practice a bit to accommodate that and a little bit about how you tackle the unconscious bias that exists in in all of us actually but so that is an example of why we think work like this is so important and if we could we we would spend eight million on it (laughs) i mean this this links you know there's social mobility so is is another area we've actually covered on on this podcast before but i know it's high on on telefonica uk's agenda as, as well Anne. 
So the recent Social Mobility Foundation Employer Index had your organisation ranked at number 24 in the list uh, for best employer for social mobility. But actually, when you look at, you know, when you consider the size of businesses listed around you in the top 50, that's a pretty good achievement. And so I was, I, I was just keen to get all your views on this, actually, is how long will it be before we get to a stage where we don't need lists to recognise what businesses are doing in this space? And, and instead, it's, you know, it's taken as read that business and government are giving opportunities for people you know, from all social and economic backgrounds. And so clearly we're delighted to get into the top 25 again. And there's something about, I, I use the phrase room for all. I think I, I was speaking to my sons about just about the, 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 some of the, the, this conversation and, and they did say, you know, mum, your generation, you do like labels, don't you? Mm. Uh, you know, and he said, you know, mind it, my boys are 20, 20 odd and they said, you know, we just don't do it. You like to label a network. You know, and I thought they're right. But until that's Nirvana, you know, I, it, for me, when we get to the point in business, society, schools where we don't have labels, you know, whether it's ethnicity or religion, whatever, and just talk about room for all, that would be a fantastic achievement. You know, we talk about um, you know, diversity. You know, we're all different. I'm different, just like you. You know, so there is, I'm looking at Nirvana, but the day that we can remove all those labels, I think will be fantastic. And I think we have to get into schools to do that. I really do. I did a piece of work with the CIPD a couple of years ago, and I was staggered. Over half of the four to 10 year olds that we interviewed think that girls are better suited to roles like nursing and hairdressing. And wait for it, over 28% of young people believe that a man is best suited the job of prime minister. So if we're looking to create a really inclusive society, we have to, you know, not only work with government and businesses and civil society, I think we've got to work with schools as well. I think it's really important. Caroline? Yeah. I think that for the past 40 years or so, the considerations of the, the social and environmental considerations in business decision making and investment decision making have not been because they just haven't been present. And I think when as a business or as an investor, we're thinking about this in terms of our endowment, it's a considerable endowment. If we have to think about the environmental and social consequences of our decision making in our investment space or in a business model, it fundamentally changes the operating system. It, it just changes it. And I think we're all on that journey of how do these how do these models have to fundamentally change and you can hear them kind of crunching and creaking as they're doing it but it's great that they are okay um i'm going to take a break from our, our conversation here i want to play you a clip um from theresa may's speech at the davos world economic forum which was uh, back in january and then i'm key to get your thoughts on what she said let me start with how we can embrace technology key to this is channeling the power of government and business in partnership to seize the opportunities of technology and create high-quality, well-paid jobs right across the world. That is why in the UK, I've put the development of a modern industrial strategy at the heart of the government's agenda. It's a new long-term approach to shaping a stronger and fairer economy, and it understands what government and business each bring to the table. Because I understand the power of business as a force for good. I know that it is free and competitive markets that drive the innovation, creativity and risk-taking that have enabled so many of the great advances of our time. But I also understand the good that government can do, creating the conditions where successful businesses can emerge and grow 
and helping them to invest in the future of our nation. So the message of our industrial strategy to the world is clear. Britain will be one of the best places in the world in which to start and grow a business. Siobhan, we're recording this almost six months on from Davos. How is this modern industrial strategy that the PM was uh, talking about there? How is, how is that taking shape? The modern industrial strategy is, uh, I think, personally, I think it's a was an inspirational piece of work. So we're obviously in a world at the moment where we're leaving the European Union. Uh, that's taking up a lot of brain space and there are a lot of, you know, there are some issues around it. But what we've got in our industrial strategy is a stake in the ground. So we've got a vision for the future. And that, I think, is where business are, you know, optimistic about where where we're going out of that. I mean, I'm not going to go into the detail, but the, the industrial strategy is all about focusing on R&D spend, you know, building an economy that is fit for the future and the future of work and changing jobs. Um, there are four grand challenges in that that I think it's exciting that we have a nation have sort of put our flag in the ground rather than just doing something that was a bit general. AI and data, uh, clean growth, the future of mobility and ageing and ageing society are all obviously massive challenges that the world is facing. So I think it's, it's an exciting time. And I think it's great that we're seeing government really driving these issues like social mobility. You know, it's a real force for good. And, you know, organisations like O2, you know, we believe that a successful, modern, responsible business is not just one that has a strong P&L, but one that, you know, does does good and makes a positive contribution to society. Um, and you know what? It's not just the right thing to do. There is a strong commercial imperative. You know, more inclusive teams or organisations basically are more successful. So they're a real strong imperative as well, I think. Caroline? I think it's great to have um, a really strong industrial strategy. I, though, do think that government is one of the largest employers in the country. It's also one of the largest purchasers in this country. And so actually a good way to start would be to, to actually have leadership in terms of how new contracts might look in this new economy, how uh, environmental leadership might be shown. And I think there's really, really good beginnings of those things. And I get why they're maybe not moving quite as fast as they might. But it would be good if if actually maybe there were a few slightly bolder, tangible um, stakes in the ground. Um, the, you will hear the Prime Minister use the expression business as a force for good quite regularly. And one of the things that we are all proud of with the IEP is it does two things so the partnership celebrates what business and civil society are already doing mm. amazing things they're already doing but it provides a vehicle for doing more it's an opportunity to do more and I think that's that's that whole piece around business as a force for good and just a note on Caroline's point about government as an employer and as a procurer of services mm. we went into this uh, partnership very much looking sort of outwardly um, but we knew as government we had to also look back into our supply chain and, and us as you know buying of services and um, although we are as Caroline says uh, on that on that journey we know we've got a long way to go and as a cabinet office we're also committed to trying to look at that from a government point of view too. Well you um, you touched on 
on the topic of leaving the EU uh, just just before in your answer, um, I felt we couldn't have this conversation <laughs> with bringing up Brexit. Um, so I was just keen to know, you know, how those or, or whether or not those negotiations will have an impact on what you're trying to do within the the partnership team. Uh, yeah, very much on two levels. So on one level, we are listening. We're listening to business around their issues around Brexit, and we're feeding all that amazing information and knowledge back into the centre so that our government can make the right decisions around Brexit. On the other side, we are also ensuring that we're looking to the future. So all the policy, early policy development we're doing around the issues of women returnships, gender pay gap, ageing aging society, the loneliness agenda, that businesses' voice are at the centre of developing those policies going forward on the other side of Brexit. It's a slightly ten- slightly different area, but in the area of uh, the environment and we're leading the way in plastics and in particular in the, in the intersection of food farming and climate change, which is absolutely at the heart of environmental devastation and actually Brexit gives us a window of coming away from CAP which is a common agricultural policy which is which is dreadful and we're working with government and business and the NGOs in terms of what does what might a future world-leading alternative world look like in in that intersection of food farming and um and 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 climate change and that's really really exciting yeah definitely um okay i I want we're we're coming towards the end um of this conversation i'm conscious of time but i wanted to ask you in terms of uh who you see are the thought lead other than obviously your good selves (laughs) around this studio table um who you see are the thought leaders in in this whole space that we're discussing and the best people to follow caroline i'm going to start with you so i hate the term thought leader oh (laughs) i absolutely hate it so just putting putting that out there how would you rather i phrase Uh, it uh, Um, no because because i just say it's anyway but for me it's ordinary people okay every time the wisdom on the streets for me is absolutely where we need to be listening and focusing our attention. People are way smarter and way more full of talent than we give them credit for. So get out and have conversations. Get as out well. there and talk to good people around the country. Okay, I'm getting nodding from your <laughs> your peers here, but uh, and let's. So agree totally. Um, but can I um, mention a profession rather than? A specific person in my land. Of course, yeah. Um, so this is good. We're getting a nice mix. <laughs> the legal <laughs> profession in the past has been held up as an example of you know a privileged profession that is very hard to break into unless you went to a certain school or your parents um, earn a certain amount of money. Um, but a lot of very responsible, committed law firms are turning that on its head. Um, and they've stepped up and are determined to change that. So Prime is an alliance of law firms that now has 60 member companies, and each of them are committed to giving work experience to young people from socially challenged backgrounds. Now, you could say that's small beer, but that is a big change from where we were, you know, even two or three years ago. Um, and they're now able to give work experience uh, or work experiences to around about 750 young people a year. They pay their expenses, they provide advice, they mentor them both during the work experience and most importantly when that work experience is finished and I think if a few more companies did
did that sort of program, you know, that would really, really help the people on the street who, who struggled to, 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 to enter those sorts of careers because they went to the wrong type of school. Yeah, brilliant. Siobhan? So, look, I've got to say, the CEOs that sit on my Inclusive Economy Partnership Advisory Board are, are not thinking, they're leading. So they have stood up and they said, I'll be part of this partnership and I will put resource and time and commitment behind it. So they're amazing. On a global level, I think uh, someone like Paul Polman at Unilever, for example, has been a bit of a trailblazer in this area. And he's actually been able to begin to show the the thing that Anne talked about earlier with the sort of commercial imperative for purpose. So he's began he's been able to begin to show where brands can be more successful when they put purpose at their core. Um, and he sort of was the first to do it on, I guess, on a big scale. And I just want to give a bit of a shout out as well to um, actually small businesses, new um, entrepreneurs, new businesses that are coming out with really interesting different models um, around sustainability and fairness. And actually ones that are not in London and just the, the, the huge, the 90 odd percent of small and medium sized businesses around the country that basically keep this country going. Excellent. Um, so we've talked about all the work you're doing at the moment. What about looking to the future? Uh, how do you see initiatives and partnerships between business and government uh, developing? Uh, Caroline, let's stick with you as, as you just gave that last answer. What, what's your thoughts on this one? We we talk about un, unusual alliances, and I think that has to be the way forward. That absolutely has to be the way forward. These issues are just too big and just too complicated and too complex, and we're all part of the solution. So for me, just more and more of these unusual alliances that come together and learn and challenge each other and grow and solve together. And? I think there needs to be real clarity in the partnership and the objectives, what we're trying to achieve, what does success look like. Um, we need to be ambitious. Um, and I think if that genuine commitment that is clearly there now remains, I think we'll be in a really good place because what we don't want to do is have it all just turn into rhetoric and, and you know words. And I think if we crack that, we will see really positive results. I think we'll have a real impact on the societal societal challenges that are out there and I think irrespective of what happens with Brexit I think it'll be good for the UK economy and the wider society. And Siobhan? We want to take the um, the magic of the Inclusive Economy Partnership partnerships we want to take that alchemy and we just want to make it enormous so we want to build a movement we want to take those unusual alliances, I love that expression, and, you know, we've got 200 organisations involved, let's have thousands of organisations involved so we can really, really scale those those changes and really, really help those people that Caroline's talking about. I think you've almost answered my next question, actually, because I was going to ask, you know, giving you the final word, actually, what, <laughs> what your key messages that you want listeners to take from this this podcast. That's almost answered it, really, isn't it? Well, we want people to get involved, so, you know, we see power and partnership we're, we're we're open we want people to get involved so i guess that would be my closing point so that cues me up to say how do they get involved how do they get get hold of you yeah brilliant please do get in touch uh, you can email us on partnerships hyphen team at cabinetoffice.gov.uk or perhaps slightly more easily just go to gov.uk pages and and find the you'll find the business partnerships team in there perfect 
Well, um, Siobhan Havilland and Pickering and Caroline uh, Mason, thanks again for joining the show. Uh, so just to give uh, that email out again, if you want to get in touch with Siobhan's team, it's partnerships-team at cabinetoffice.gov.uk. Uh, we'd also love to hear your comments on this topic too. So if you'd like to contribute to the discussion, uh, you can do that on our Facebook page or on our Twitter feed. Um, and both of those are linked from the top of the website at csuitepodcast.com, uh, where you'll also find all our previous shows and supporting show notes, plus links to where you can subscribe for automatic downloads uh, of all the episodes uh, via SoundCloud or iTunes Um, and as I always ask if you do use iTunes then please do give us a positive rating and review to help us up the business charts as it means more people get to hear about uh, important topics like we've been discussing today. Uh, Finally if you would like to get in touch with the show you can do that via the contact form on the website as well and you can reach me via Twitter using at Russ Goldsmith but for now thanks for listening and goodbye.